Hi, this is Dr. Rachel Gooding. I'm a clinical assistant professor at the ECU Brody School of Medicine uh, in the departments of both psychiatry and internal medicine. And I'm here with one of the med psych residents, Dr. Max Miller. Thank you, Dr. Gooding. I'm an ECU Brody School of Medicine resident. And like Dr. Gooding said, I'm doing internal medicine and psychiatry. I'm currently in my fourth year. And welcome back to those of you who listened to our first podcast about benzodiazepines. This will be part two. Like we were saying, we can't just stop a benzodiazepine if someone's been on them long-term, chronically, or if it's been more than a couple weeks. So in general, what is a good method to go about tapering someone off a benzodiazepine? So that's a good question, Dr. Gooding. And unfortunately, there's no universal approach to tapering. Although it it is generally recommended, especially in patients who are long-term users with particularly with high daily dose requirements. So we have reports in the literature which we can rely upon. So a 2016 literature review, uh, which included three systematic reviews, five randomized control trials, and three non-randomized control trials, found that psychotherapeutic interventions plus benzodiazepine taper was superior to dose taper alone, with the percentage of successful discontinuation in combination being between 65 to 80%, compared with the benzodiazepine taper alone only having successful discontinuation between 25 to 54% in those studies which were included. So an example of a benzodiazepine taper, and again, this is not universal, but this is something that I've done before and I've seen done before. So let's say a patient is on long-term benzodiazepines, for example, they're taking more than 10 milligrams of diazepam per day, and they've been doing this for, let's say, five years. You can taper more rapidly initially, and you can continue doing so until you reach the 10 milligrams. So if they're over 10 milligrams, been on it for a long time, you can you know be pretty aggressive at first. But once you get to 10 milligrams, you want to slow the taper down. So you would do 10 milligrams per day for maybe two weeks or so. Then you would do five milligrams twice daily for two weeks. And then you would just do five milligrams daily for two weeks and then stop. So you want to get them down to around 10 milligrams. Then you want to divide the dose and do twice daily dosing. And then you just want to do daily dosing until they're at five milligrams of diazepam in this case. And then you can stop it after two weeks. Big picture is just do not stop abruptly. Right, right? exactly. And we've seen a lot of patients come in, especially maybe some older patients who have been on benzodiazepines for decades for sleep or for their anxiety, and now they're getting older and they're having some cognitive issues, they're falling, and so they really need to get off the medication. And it can be a long process, like months to slowly, slowly taper them off so they don't have that withdrawal, severe anxiety, or even worse symptoms. Yeah. And like Dr. Gooding said, the main thing is just do not stop it abruptly. Because you can cause more harm than good in that case. 
Are there any major drug-drug interactions to be aware of? That's a good point, Dr. Gooding. So it's important to consider drug-drug interactions. And basically, anything that would cause CNS depression, when taken together with a benzodiazepine, would probably want to be done carefully or avoided. And then you also want to consider your CYP enzymes for the reasons that we discussed earlier and, and that some of these medications are going through the SIP pathway. I know personally, I always try to avoid prescribing a benzodiazepine unless I really have to, just because of all the potential problems that can come down the line, especially if it's going to end up being a more long-term issue. Um, But they do have a place, and they are definitely very good for severe anxiety. So what would be an example of an ideal patient where it would be very appropriate and a good idea to try a benzodiazepine? So, you know, just speaking from uh, anecdotal experience, if you have somebody with real severe anxiety and you're also going to co-administer, like let's say a serotonin reuptake inhibitor or a serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor, if you're choosing to also use a chronic medication, then I think it's can be justified or can can be done a little bit more in the best interest of the patient because if you don't start them on some kind of chronic therapy, then it's going to be probably a little bit more difficult to justify getting them off of the benzodiazepine when the time comes to do so. So I would say a patient who has severe anxiety, but you're also starting them on a chronic therapy like you know an SSRI or an SNRI. Yeah, and a lot of times when we start an SSRI or an SNRI for a patient who's really anxious, and as you know, and I know you've seen this, sometimes it can have that activation effect in the first Mm -hmm. couple of weeks where it can actually make them a little bit more anxious or kind of amped up as the medication gets into their system. So that is a common uh, time when it would be a good idea in the right patient, if that's going to be an issue, to give them a very short course of a benzodiazepine to help their anxiety be leveled off while that antidepressant gets in their system. And then long-term, they wouldn't need the benzodiazepine, and we can just focus on a overall safer class of medication to target their anxiety. Right. And there's lots of patients where it's not probably the best idea to prescribe a benzodiazepine. There's lots of different examples, but can you give me at least one where maybe a benzodiazepine was not a great choice? One particular patient that comes to mind is a 37-year-old male who's coming in with alcohol withdrawal syndrome, and he's requiring parenteral benzodiazepines for seizures um, that are related to his alcohol use and subsequent stoppage and withdrawal. So they're, you know, you're able to get them stabilized on, let's say, IV lorazepam. And Upon discharge, when you know you start getting closer to that point, you do want to think because, like we were just discussing, and like Dr. Gooding had mentioned earlier, these medications are pretty similar to just basically you know giving somebody alcohol. So if he's been taking, he's been a chronic consumer of alcohol. Now we've stabilized him on benzodiazepines. You can't just stop them because let's say he was in the hospital for less than a week. You have to give him something to go home with, or you you know you should consider that. So. This patient was pretty vague with us about whether or not he was going to continue to drink. So he was nearing discharge, now able to transition him to oral benzodiazepine. 
And the medical team decided to use chlorodiazepoxide, which, as we were discussing earlier, is much longer acting. So this wouldn't be advised due to the long half-life for chlorodiazepoxide and thus high risk for overdose when taken by patients who actively consume alcohol. The benzodiazepine with a shorter half-life is a better choice in this patient or alternatively a medication with less risk for CNS or respiratory depression such as gabapentin may be considered. And who knows, maybe with all that alcohol, maybe has liver cirrhosis. So that's another reason why chlorodiazepoxide might not be the best, going back to that lot mnemonic. Okay, so that was a big topic, and that was really only scratching the surface. But overall, benzodiazepines, very powerful medications that can really help anxiety. But I think the main takeaway is choose carefully the patient who you're going to prescribe it to. And this ideally should never be a really a long-term solution to their anxiety. The goal would be short-term, get them under control, and then move on to other safer alternatives. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right. Well, thank you for discussing this with me, Dr. Miller. Thank you, Dr. Gooding.